Hi, listeners. You're listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Follow-Up, and I'm your host, Jennifer Huber. I'm the Communications Director at Faith Bible Church, and each week I'm joined by Pastor Brad. And so you went over Matthew 18 this Sunday, um, referencing 1 Corinthians 5. Would you just give us a recap? Yeah. Um, if you weren't able to be with us on Sunday, uh, I mentioned it in the message. Like, it's kind of one of those awkward things like, okay, what are we doing to Matthew all of a sudden? You know, sort of situation. Um, but here, here in January, we're just covering, we're, we're looping back around to some topics we covered in 1 Corinthians, but didn't quite have the time to cover as exhaustively as we'd like to. And in 1 Corinthians 5, what we see is we see an example of the church addressing an issue of sin, Paul telling the church to address an issue of sin and to put a man out of the church. Uh, well, that's what's known as step three in church discipline. Um, but what are the other steps? You know, what else is going on? So I, I wanted to make sure we did justice to 1 Corinthians 5, but this was a good opportunity to go back. It's like, what is the biblical process for addressing conflict, for addressing sin in the church? And what does that all look like? Well, the vast majority of that comes from Matthew 18, uh, verses 15 uh, through 20. But we went through 21 through 35 as well, because Jesus addresses what forgiveness looks like and tells a parable there at the end of that section as well. Um, so on Sunday, basically, we had three points. We said, uh, as a church, Christ gives us the task of identifying sin humbly, confronting sin biblically, and forgiving sin completely. So we talked about how, how sin uh, uh, must be identified, and that means it's identifiable. It must be clear. It must be understandable. We must be able to look at Scripture and say, that is the command of God that you have violated. And it's also inevitable. And that's an important mindset for us to take into the church, that we are fallen people. I'm a fallen person. You're a fallen person. Everybody else in the church is fallen. We're, we're all still um, dealing with our you know, our depravity and our sin, our sinful natures, and how that's at war with the Spirit uh, for the battle for our hearts, basically. And so we have to understand this idea that, like, there is an inevitability of sin. We have the power to overcome through the Holy Spirit, um, but we will still sin as long as this world goes on. We're not promised perfection in this world. So we need to call that out when we see it. And we need to be able to recognize that this is going to happen and not get surprised by it. You know, it's almost like if, if I were to, you know, ask you to go out for a sport, Right. You know, okay. and, and you're like, well, what sport? I'm not going to tell you what sport. And you just get on the field and all of a sudden you've got pads on. You get hit for the first time. And you're like, OK, what is this? Right. That, like, that's I a didn't realize what, what we were playing. Field. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> As opposed to like, OK, we're going to play football. And then it's a contact sport and it involves pads and all these sort of things. It's that sort of an idea. Like it's going to you're going to take some lumps in the church. Um, now, that shouldn't be a shock to us because we take them everywhere, and yet sometimes it is because we yeah. feel things should be um, should be different. And the, 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 the desire, the goal is holiness. We're all pursuing holiness, but that's exactly why we have to address the sins rather than leaving them unaddressed right. and all just pretending like everything's okay. So identifying sin humbly, we've got to do that with a humble heart, right? I mean, Matthew 7, judge not lest you be judged. Jesus' whole concept there is remove the plank out of your own eye, admit that you've got your own sinful issues, and then address the, the speck in your brother's eye. Like, help each other, but do it humbly. Do it with a mindset that we all struggle with sin. Then confronting sin biblically. This is really where we got into the how-to, yeah. if you will. What, what Jesus lays out in Matthew chapter 18 is three steps to confronting sin. The first is he says, go to your brother privately. And we talked about how that, that confrontation needs to be clear, you need to be very clear on what the offense was, when it happened, and what the biblical violation was. It needs to be private. It needs to be a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And it needs to be restorative. You need to be seeking to see that relationship stored. It's, it's restored. It's not about venting. It's not about just 
making them feel bad. It's about seeing them restored. And so you've got to do some work in your own heart. And that's actually one of the things I want to talk about in our application section um, a little bit as well. So, So we confront that person individually. If that doesn't work, then we take a couple of wise people with us. We say, observe this confrontation. Am, am I in the right? Have I gotten anything wrong? Are they in the right? Have they gotten anything wrong? Um, so you bring two or three people along with you trying to win that person again. If they still ignore you, then you tell it to the church. It says step three, you tell it to the ecclesia, you tell it to the church, you let them know what's going on. And ultimately, if they don't even respond to the winsome attractiveness of the church, calling them for repentance, then you treat them as a Gentile and a tax collector. And these are the three steps of confronting sin. And so we talked about like when we have an issue, these inevitable issues, these inevitable sins that are going to take place, this is how we're called to do it. Uh, the illustration I used was, you know, it's, it's like it's like buying a piece of furniture from Ikea or ordering a Lego set and then throwing away the instructions when you get it. Like God has given us a blueprint for how to do this. I've heard both of those things are quite difficult without they Experientially, I can tell you they're both quite <laughs> difficult um, that way. And But like throwing away God's design for how we're supposed to do this. Um, when I entered the sermon, I talked about there's two extremes here. Some of us want to get overzealous, you know, and we get on this kind of a witch hunt looking for sins everywhere. Yeah. That's not what we're called to in Scripture. Right. On the other side, some of us just throw the baby out with the bathwater, and mm-hmm. we just ignore it altogether, thinking nobody can do this well, so we're just going to ignore it, rather than like pursuing biblical maturity and like how do I do this well because I'm commanded to do it. Um, so we want to try to chart the course toward faithfulness there, and that involves walking through these steps. It involves prayerfully considering your own heart before you do it, but it does involve confronting. It involves confronting individually, privately. It involves confronting with a team of people. It involves confronting uh, as a church-wide level. And if that person doesn't repent, ultimately the goal is to see them won back. I mean, that's still Paul's goal in 1 Corinthians 5, to see that man repent, to turn back to Christ, to come back to a biblical way of life, to make sure his gospel profession is consistent with his gospel life. Um, And then lastly, the natural outflowing of that is we talked about we have to forgive sin completely. And verses 21 through 35, uh, Peter asked what is the perfectly natural question when he says, <laughs> Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often am I to forgive my brother who sins against me? Right? If we're always hurting each other and we're confronting faithfully, we also have to be forgiving consistently. And we talked about how we are called to forgive frequently and we are called to forgive fully. Right? So it means again and again, as many times as is necessary. You know, Jesus says 77 times, meaning as often as is necessary. And then he gives the parable of the servant who didn't forgive another servant the way the master had forgiven him. And it's like, we are called to forgive the way we have been forgiven. And that is the whole goal. That is what we're shooting for. Um, that's really what the message was about. Like I said, how to faithfully confront sin and then how to forgive sin the way Christ has forgiven us. One of the things that stuck out consistently was it's not about you. It said so that you said so that they are won back. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not about rectifying your feelings or getting your feelings fixed or or mended, but it's to bring the brother back. Yeah, that that process of forgiveness that's that's what's going on between you and God, right? Yeah. And between you and your brother, right? Like you've got to find a way to come to terms with that, to turn it over to God, to recognize that He's can, He's forgiven you, so therefore we're called right. to forgive each other. Um, the confrontation. And we talked about this in the message. It's it's not about venting. You right. know, it's not about posting something on social media to make everybody <laughs> feel bad, right? And and it's not about getting even. Yeah. Like it's not about just putting that person in their place. 
it, it has to come from a motivation and a love for them, which yeah. is why we call it the message lovingly confronting and forgiving. Yeah. Right? Because it has to be motivated by love. Otherwise, it will manifest itself inappropriately. And it's so countercultural right now. Yeah. If you, if you scour social media or you hear people speak, it's how to detox the negative people in your life or how, how, how many times because I put up boundaries, right? Yep. There are... <laughs> Not discounting boundaries. Boundaries are good. Yep. But when it comes to like an offense of a, of a person to a person, it's, well, you're not a safe person, so I'm just going to walk away from you yeah. versus this lens of looking at a Christian brother or sister and saying, I want to win you back because I love you enough to yeah. not let you fall off that yeah. that side of the road, right? Yeah. And if we talk from an extreme standpoint, and I, I mentioned this in the message, there's obviously situations, you know, violence and abuse and situations like that where there has to be a gap. Absolutely. There has to be a separation. Okay. Yes. The boundary. There has yes. to be a boundary put in place for the health of you or your family or the safety. The, yeah. the, absolutely. That's, that is true. Two things about that. Number one, that does not free us from the obligation to forgive. Correct. Forgiveness is still there. Yep. But number two, that does not apply to all of our situations. Right. You know, like you're not a safe person. Well, I'll be honest with you. Like if everyone knew what was going on inside of my head, yep. I'm not a safe person either. Right. Sin makes us all unsafe right. people. Right. And this, this corporate endeavor of the church is a matter of all of us recognizing none of us are safe. Yes. Right. Because all of us love our sin. <laughs> and that's a scary thing because we love our sin more than we love the other people. And it's only through the work of Christ in our hearts yeah. and only through the engagement of one another's, you know, this, this idea right. that we become more like Christ and we drop that away. So yeah. by its nature, we're all unsafe. And yet we're called to lean in anyway. Yeah. Okay. So if we were given five more minutes mm. in this area. Yeah. You know, it's, it's ironic, right? Because I'm like, okay, we're talking about step three church discipline in First Corinthians. So I need to go back and I need to do some background work to help you prepare for when the church has to get that to that point. So we talk about the steps, right? And then I find myself going, okay, I preach on the steps, and now I feel this need to like, how do you prepare to engage in the steps? <laughs> in the steps, and you keep doing this 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 backup work. But right. um, at least three things that I didn't feel like I got the sense or I got the to say in the message when it comes to preparing your own heart for the confrontation that I would encourage people to consider. Mm -hmm. uh, the first would be you got to spend a lot of time in prayer. You you got to be prepared. You got to do that work with the Lord of like. Help me forgive this person for what they've done for me so that I can go into this without harboring a grudge, without holding on to that bitterness, without being frustrated. And because if you do, if you can't reconcile that, it's going to come out sideways. And no matter how well you try to articulate it, it's, it's going to come out harmful. It's going to come out hurtful in the way you confront. Yeah, because it sounds a little bit like that reflection piece, too. Yeah, yeah. Getting, getting that plank out of your own eye. And I, and I think that's, you know, I think that's very much what Jesus is going for, you know? And so as you prepare to do this, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed for your own heart? Have you prayed for God's guidance? Have you prayed for that person? It's amazing how praying for someone can oh. soften our heart towards someone. Hmm. And so spend time praying for how they'll receive what you have to say. Spend time praying over the passage because again, you want to posture this situation of confrontation of like, look, both of us are fighting with indwelling sin. The enemy is the sin. You hurt me. It's no alleviation of guilt. But the enemy that we're both seeking to defeat is the sin. So like, how do I help you? How do I come alongside you so that we can defeat this sin, so that Christ can defeat the sin in us, right? Again, it's not our power, right? We don't sanctify ourselves, right. but we can be agents in the hand of God to help other people in that process. And so praying to that end. Um, which is which kind of goes along with the other one. Again, forgiveness is key here. 
like in preparation and, and making your own heart ready for this sort of conflict, forgiving that person to the best of your ability from your heart as best you can in preparation in advance of that. So that's not like still part of the conversation. Because again, biblically, Scripture does not give us warrant to not forgive because they have not asked for forgiveness, right? We were loved while we still hated God, right? right? right. And, it's not and conditional on it, yeah, them that's just coming it, to you or you right? And them. the goal is to see them repent, right. but your forgiveness is not contingent upon their f- repentance. And that's right. really, really critical um, to figure out. And it doesn't mean that there won't still be emotion. It doesn't mean there yeah. won't still be hurt. Like there's still that stuff present. Right. But have you turned it over to the Lord? Have you forgiven them for what they've done before you go and confront them? And then the last thing that I would encourage people, because we're so we're so bad at doing this well, like we get awkward and we get nervous and we and we care about not burning bridges and all of these things. And and, and most of it's good stuff. Like and we, we tend to backpedal then. Yes. And and backpedaling makes things really confusing yeah. more often than not for people. So Very. we talked about the, the need for objective clarity on these sort of confrontations. And so I might just practically recommend people write it down, like write down what you're going to say, write down like, this is my heart for you. This is what you did to me. This is what I, you know, I mean, like when you did it, like this whole like, well, you always, hyperbole doesn't help in these situations. Like, no, when we met this day for coffee and you said this, this is where I was out of line. This is how it hurt me. And this is the verse I think that contradicts. Yeah. And then wait, you know, but write that down. Like I said, my my goal is for you. My heart is for you. This is where I think it is so that you can be clear in the meeting. Because otherwise we tend to get kind of wishy-washy. You know, we tend to be like, we go all over the place. Maybe we hem and haw about it. And, and we're not we really sure how to say go, it. Oh, abort mission, yes. abort mission. And so we temper it. And, yeah. and it's not because we're trying to be harsh. We're not trying to yeah. be harsh. But we're trying to be honest for their good. Because, I mean, what, what, when have you ever been helped by someone kind of being, well, maybe. I mean, think of a boss like at work. Yep. Like, well, maybe you could do this more often. It'd be great if you came in earlier right. or something. You're like, well, that doesn't, like. You Tell me what you want me to do. Confused. And so it's like, this is, again, this is what the issue was. This is how I care about you. This is how it violated scripture. This is how I will help you. I mean, that sort of idea of just writing some of that down, just so you say it the way you need to say it. Yeah, that's a great um, idea. can be helpful for people as well on this subject. Um, so yeah, those are a few things that I, I wish practically I could have gone into a little bit more detail, but uh, that's... That's how it goes. You know, I already preached for 50 minutes, so I felt like I was, I was about, it, about it capacity there. <laughs> well, now you did 55. There you we go. asked for five more. There you go. So one of the things you, that uh, struck me when you were speaking is, you keep referencing the three steps, right? Mm-hmm. How do I know when it's time for the <laughs> step number one? Yeah, we, that's, that's a really, really good question. Um, it's, we, we talked about when identifying a sin that it needs to be like observable and needs okay. to be objective. So like, because how do we you, take like, the emotions out uh, of it versus? I my think you might be hurt. greedy. Okay, well, uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but like that's not. But I was like, okay, no, no, this is the thing that you stole. This is the yep. thing you lied about. This is the thing that okay. whatever. So there needs to be some objectivity about it. Um, I would also argue there needs to be some significance to it. Okay. Like the 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 vast majority. I mean, love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. Like the the reality is, there's a lot of things small offenses that we learn to overlook in yeah. our normal lives. And it's not because they don't matter, um, but they're, they're, a lot of those things are highly subjective. You know, there are these, there's these smaller things. And I'm like, I'm not sure that person had the right tone with me in that meeting. Right. And that's you know, what I'm asking. Or, where do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line of this is something approachable for their good? Yeah. Or is it, I just didn't get a lot of sleep the night before and I felt a little grumpy when I spoke yeah. to them. Um, what, what, uh, 
what the whole process of church discipline is going for is like what you're trying to say is that this this activity is inconsistent with your profession of faith, yeah. which is why is it Bingo. as it gets more and more and more and it gets more and more severe, that's why ultimately putting someone out of the church. Sometimes that can feel like a very harsh action, but it's actually a yeah. loving action because you're saying, I cannot, like, I cannot stand for your profession of faith. I, I cannot vouch for your profession of faith right. because of the way you're living. Yep. So there's something that I can objectively see in your life that's significant enough that I go, it's causing me to question your faith is ultimately where this gets to. Okay, now yes. a lot of a lot of the private things that we address on these first levels, you know, I mean, you, I, you said this, and I think that was gossip about this person. Yeah, those are going to be much smaller, and you know, yeah. ultimately, hopefully, most things won't reach that level. But what you're saying is this activity is inconsistent. So again, that's where you have to have a clarity. You have to be like, this was this mattered. Like this wasn't just a, our feelings or a disagreement. Looking to a text. Exactly. To this is what you violated yes. when you yes. did. Um, and there's always going to be a place. There's there's going to be a bit of a bandwidth there, you know, on on what people see. You know, was this big enough deal to address it with them? Well, is 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 it is the hurt coming from the fact that I felt my ego was challenged, or is the hurt coming from the fact that I, I'm I'm worried about this person and what that course of action that sin will lead them to? And the sort of sins that are significant enough that we're like, I think that's an issue for you. That's when we want to address that. Yeah. Because again, it's not about us just getting it off our chest. Yeah. Right. It's not about us venting. It's not about us getting even. It's not about any of those things. And so we've got to do that heart work of saying, well, why does this bother me? And is it clear biblically? And is it something that I see a course in their life where unrepentance is going to be a major problem? Yeah, that self-reflection there's... When Philip and I were getting married, uh, the gentleman that did our pre-marriage counseling said, you know, you're going to have spats, you're going to have disagreements. He says, but before you even go to the next step of duking it out, so to speak, mm-hmm. take a moment and ask yourself what you just said. Mm-hmm. Why does this bother me? And, yep. and nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, <laughs> yeah. you're inconvenienced, you're jealous, you're frustrated, and it's it's not... When you take that time to pause, it's not the offense that you thought it was. Yeah. So that's a good vetting process, too, and holding it to the scriptures because it is a hard conversation to have. It is. But the goal of winning the brother or sister back. So we've kind of already touched on this. I like to ask, you know, when we look at the scriptures, we can say this was written thousands of years ago. Some mm-hmm. people will tell you, well, that was good then. Mm-hmm. But if we're truly going to take God's word as the inerrant word of God, that means it applies today. Mm-hmm. And you've kind of already touched on that a little bit. But when Paul wrote that versus now, the human condition hasn't changed. So the application and the and the connection is still the same. Yeah. I The blessing of a text like this is, I mean, the reason people avoid it is because they sense it's so true. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, Uncomfortable. And so you don't have to worry tremendously about like, oh, well, that was just, you know, Leviticus and it's talking about Old Testament law and I don't need to worry about like, no. They clearly didn't get along. Doesn't matter to me. <clears throat> Pretty sure I could see this happening. You know, I, I told people at the get-go, like, that you have offended someone and someone has offended you. All of us have experienced this. So this is not rare. Right. We also went back and we backtracked a little bit in the message. We talked about chapter 16, 17, and 18 leading into this and how probably the event of the, you know, the transfiguration of some of the disciples getting chosen and being up on the mountain and the other ones being stuck at the bottom of the mountain yeah. failing to heal this boy. Right. Probably there was some tension there. Yeah. And that's, that's painfully real, like that's yeah. painfully normal. Like we're just used to this. We should be used to this. Yeah. It's it's typical. 
Um, and so you don't really have to spend a lot of time trying to convince people that the problem is there. Yeah. Like the problem of us offending each other, absolutely always there. And we'll that's something you there. said last week that stuck with me. And, and you said one of the things to prepare for this week is, again, that self-reflection. It wasn't, I believe you said it's not if, but when. Yes. Right? So it's yes. not if you offend or if you will be approached is probably when. Yes. And that struck to me because that just brings the reality to, again, the human condition, the sinful yes. nature, even though we're on our best behavior, so we think. <laughs> well, we cover it up well sometimes. Right. You know, like. Behind a smile, behind a, a in laugh. The, in the marriage class um, on Sunday, I know uh, one of the things my wife said that, that she knows that Paul Tripp said is he's like, okay, Scripture says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. And we say. Well, I was tired. I just wasn't feeling good. I so I sleep, said something that was wasn't, grumpy. I said something I didn't mean. Right. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like what, what the Bible teaches is right. that like the heart is this overflow and it comes out of the mouth. Yeah. Read the book of James, right? In the New Testament. Okay. You say what you mean. Sometimes you cover it up well, but when you're stressed, when you're tired, when you're angry, when you're frustrated, when you're insecure, what's really there comes out. Yep. And so in a lot of ways, it's like, it's more, it's more like, okay, no, I, I, I did mean what I say, and that yeah. scares me because I said when I didn't have my guard up, when I wasn't ready to kind of stop everything, right. what was really there came out. And we're kind of shocked. Energy. You, you didn't know, we're like, oh boy. to backpedal or cover it because yeah. you're tired and yeah. who you are inside is still there. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and that's painfully true for all of us. You know, so, yeah. it, so like that is going to be the case at some point. If, if you never do if you never offend anybody else in the church and nobody else in the church ever offends you it's because you never got close enough to anybody oh. to be a part of the church who that's a whole other discussion like, that's a well, little uncomfortable you're right we you haven't keep been people's at arm's length yeah. and maybe pretend like everything's okay all the time yeah. but the minute you get close enough mm-hmm. to people our sin natures are going to reveal themselves yeah. at some point in yeah. some environment on some day yeah. and there's going to be a clash yep. and we should expect that and so it's like the reality is this sort of a process is such a blessing that God has given it to us yeah. in Scripture. We avoid it like the plagues. It's like, that would be weird. But like, if you want real community, yeah. it involves, I mean, think of your family, like growing up. Oh, like, yeah. It wasn't because you never fought that you feel closeness. Right. You know, it's like, okay, that happens. Now, how do we get better at reconciliation? How do we get better at yeah. restoration? How do we get quicker? I mean, that's really what, you know, yeah. your like maturity in your marriage is about. Like, yeah. you, you don't like ever stop offending each other. Right. I mean, hopefully you offend each other less, but you don't ever stop it completely. Right. But you get better at like, okay, let's let's put the pause button on here. Let's seek restoration. Let's 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 get to the point where our relationship is healed. You get better at that. Yeah. Absolutely. One quick thing I want to add to or ask. Mm. I don't want to assume that everyone listening understands when you say go to find two to three wise people. Mm. What that means is that is that someone older than you? Or when you say wise, are you saying elders of the church? Are you saying a mentor? What mm. what does that mean? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, when we brought up that subject um, in, in the text, it talks about, okay, to take two or three so that uh, every charge may be established on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Um, I think I think what, what Jesus is going for there is is less likely to be, and some commentators take this stance, is less likely to be two or three people that witness the offense. Because the vast majority of our offenses, 
nobody else notices. Right. Like, I, I don't think contextually that's what he's – because, again, it's your brother and you. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of – I mean, yeah. like, it doesn't seem to and support that idea. And the guy sitting next to you in the coffee shop listening might, might be Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not to mention, like, if, if they were sitting there next to you and they're on your side, there's a lack of objectivity right. very, very quickly on this right. whole thing. Because I don't think that's what he's going for is, like, find three of your closest friends who are going to uh, agree with you and hammer that person. Right. Because then that's not restorative. Somebody's just going to feel ganged up on. I think that's what he's saying, don't do, right? Yeah, exactly. Instead, go find two or three people that I think you can trust their biblical judgment. When, when you go down later in the passage and it talks about, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed. We talked about how that idea isn't dictating to God what is true. It is trying to apply heaven's standards here on earth through God's word. That means that the people you bring into that question need to be people that understand how to interpret the Bible. They need to be like, okay, I can see that situation. I can see what you're doing, and I can objectively see what the case is that you're making. Mm -hmm. But it's also people who, like, if your conflict didn't go well the first time, and I think you've got to be open to this, that they look at you, they look at the text, and they're like, I don't know. Like, I don't think that person sinned against you. And there's a place for them to be able to say that to you, too. Like, I don't think you have a case. I think this needs to end here. Because sometimes we can have an, a, a personal gain right. by wanting them to side with us or them siding with us, whereas they right. can be that third party, third, fourth party that says, no. Yeah. So it's like it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily depend on age. It doesn't p- depend on position in the church. In fact, in this step, uh, I would wager step three, you really need to start probably, probably trying to get the pastors or elders involved of the church. But step two, if it can be resolved without involving pastors or elders, because that's going to kind of ratchet up the intensity. All of a sudden, it's going to feel like, well, okay, now I'm meeting with a pastor. Yeah. It's going to be weird. Ante. If you can, yeah. The yeah, just yeah, really exactly. High. So it's like if you can find some people that both of you respect, not anybody that's going to naturally side with one or two. Again, I said on Sunday, don't don't find your closest friends. Don't find your small group. Don't find people that you're like, these are the people that will always be on my side. Right. Go find people in the church that you're like, that's the level of spiritual maturity I would like to have someday or I would like to be someday. Yeah. And I think they can bring an objective weight of scriptural authority to this conversation. I trust their judgment. Yeah. And the person I'm talking to will too because yeah. they are just that type of person. Well, I kind of asked, you know, as an age, it's not because spiritual wisdom. Yeah. It's not necessarily a number it's of not. earthly years. It's not. Yeah. It's very true. So it, it doesn't say, you know, go approach somebody that's older. Right. It, it says just find two or three. And I think there's just some prudential wisdom involved yeah. in finding people that are credible. I mean, not to mention it says that the, 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 it has to be established by the evidence of these two or three. So these, you, you know, you're probably not going to go to the new believer that's a recovering alcoholic in your church. Yeah. That's probably not a wise thing to do. Right. You're going to go to people that you know, deacons in the church or yeah. people that seem to have a credibility yeah. and say, I need, I need your help. Kind of, kind of like when we were talking in First Corinthians, this whole idea of having somebody mediate yeah. your legal disputes before right. going to a court. He said, don't you have the ability to mediate these right. things? Well, there should be people with wisdom in your church that can help mediate these sort of things. Go find them. Um, and again, don't look for allies. Look for people that are going to speak truth into both of your yeah. lives. That's great. That, that is also my prayer for Faith Bible is that we start living lives that yeah. reflect this, that reflect this. My love for you as a brother in Christ, my love for you as a sister in Christ is so important, and I care enough about you yeah. that I'm going to be uncomfortable to yeah. help bring you along, but yeah. also reflect enough to say, okay, but Jennifer, you don't have it all together, yeah. so don't yeah. go into a conversation thinking, well, I got this. And it always takes two to tango. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're, they're, we know this in our marriages. Yeah. Like, we yeah. know this in every relationship. Yeah. It takes two people. So more often than not, there's some repentance that needs to take place on both yeah. sides. Um, and it's amazing how quickly people will respond better if you're like, 
I didn't respond well when you said this. Let me apologize for what I've done wrong Absolutely. here. Absolutely. And but I don't think you I, like this is what the issue was. Yep. That's great. And there's something to be said for that sort of conversation. And yeah. but again, if we adopt a mindset that like we're all fallen, that does so much for it. Like all of it. It's, it's our fake facade, it's our fake ego that yeah. gets in the way. Like, no, I have this image in the church and you've somehow tarnished it by saying I'm sinful. Yeah. Well, you're not in the church if you don't recognize you're sinful. Like we all do. Like that's and how it works. at the foot works. of the cross, we don't, we don't stand apart from one another. <sighs> it's we exactly true. Yeah. It's exactly true. And so it's not an us and them mentality. It's got to be a we. Like we're, this is yeah. a joint endeavor of sanctification as a church. And this can be a powerful tool to that end. Like, yeah. do you want to mortify sin? I mean, scripture tells us to mortify sin in our lives. Do you want to mortify sin in your lives? Well, your brothers and sisters in Christ are a tool yeah. that God has given you for that sanctification and that holiness in your life. I mean, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14 is all going to talk about that community dynamic, spiritual gifts, and the, the workings of the Spirit through the members of the body. God has given us a church to bring us to spiritual maturity because that we would not be as spiritually mature by ourselves. Right. Like God has given that to us and sometimes we ignore it. But like, is sin really the enemy? Like, is my holiness really the goal? Am I willing to go through some pain and some uncomfortableness yeah. in my life and in the life of my friend in order to see that happen? I just, if it's done biblically, like Paul has laid out here, what a beautiful church that would be Amen. if we practice this the way it, <laughs> the way he has written it. Amen. Well, I could talk about this subject all day. I don't know that I'd want to <laughs> we engage. We probably shouldn't. Yeah, I don't we want to engage shouldn't. necessarily in this subject all day. However, um, it, it is just a beautiful picture of the gospel. Yeah. It really is. The gospel in action. That's it. Sunday's coming. It is. It and is. And we're still in January, so that means we're still going to be looking back a little bit at some of the First Corinthian texts you've covered and just, you know, going a little deeper. Yeah. So what do you have for a Sunday? This will be more familiar and less familiar to people. So we're going to cover another topic, um, but it, we'll actually spend a little bit more time in 1 Corinthians than we did before. Okay. There is a, a section at the in the middle of chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians uh, that deals with what's called a vice list in Scripture. It's chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. It talks about these unrighteous people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it gives this long list of different sins, right? And... Uh, we, we covered that, but we talked primarily about the lawsuits against believers at the beginning of the chapter. And okay. I wanted to spend a little bit more time talking about this text, partially uh, because this text is appropriate to consider uh, as Paul is addressing this church in a little bit more detail, but partially because there's a list of some hard sins okay. to deal with. Uh, in amongst them is the sin of homosexuality. And this is a passage that has been contended over diff different times between conservative and liberal theologians on the definition of what this is talking about, things like that. We're not going to focus just on that one sin, uh, but we, I do want to address that because we just didn't get the chance to address it in nearly as much detail last time when we were going through it. So we're going to focus on that text, um, but I think it's a fabulous text because it talks about the, the universality of our depravity. It talks about various sins, some of which we'd be a little shocked that would be on the same list together. And ultimately, it talks about what God's process in justifying and sanctifying us is all about. And so I love that text. We're going to be in a few other places in Scripture. Uh, we might touch on Romans 1, 18 through 32. We might talk about one of the vice lists that we find in Galatians 5 and 16 through 26, because those two passages are very, very similar in the approach that Paul takes, okay. talking about various sins and what that means for allegiance with and, and inheritance of the kingdom. 
Um, but that's going to be the theme is we're going to talk about that. We're going to deal with some difficult sin issues and talk a little bit about that. But ultimately, we're going to focus on where does this all go? Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned it before, right? As far as the grounding level at the foot of the cross. Yeah. He lists off a number of sins, enough that like one of these is probably going to be true of most of us in some capacity. Um, but what is what's the goal here? Like yeah. what, what does Christ do for us, in us, through us um, in light of this reality? So I'm going to ask maybe a tough question. Maybe it's not a tough question. Give it a shot. <laughs> it's 2023. Mm-hmm. And as we are watching our world develop more into um, the acceptance of homosexuality and, I mean, the, the family members, friends, coworkers, we, we have more that are um, living that lifestyle than maybe we would have even a decade ago or or outwardly living that lifestyle Mm. so as we head into sunday's message how can we prepare ourselves to receive it what are some things that we need to to um look at to get ready for sunday's message to to hear it and see it with an open mind going to that what you said the ground is leveled at the cross yeah yeah i think there's two things i would say in response to that the first is we all kind of have our pet sins Yep. We've all got our things um, that we wrestle with, and we tend to minimize those. Yep. We tend to downplay those as if those aren't a big deal. Right. We also all have these sins that we tend to think in other people are a really big deal because we don't struggle with them. Paul's list here, I think, does a couple of things really important for us in 2023. First of all, it tells us that biblical morality is not dictated by what the cultural se- or what the culture says. Okay. Biblical morality is not dictated by cultural acceptance. The culture could go out and say it is perfectly fine for everyone to steal whatever they want from each other Mm because thieves are one of the things that are listed in this text. That does not make it so. That just makes this culture out of step with what true morality and true scripture teaches. Right. The other side of things that is appropriate to note is while that is true, while biblical morality is all the case, um, we got to be careful getting off our hobby horses and having our particular sins. Again, the, the, the flatness of this vice list doesn't mean there isn't more depravity to certain certain behaviors. I mean, sexual sexual immorality takes gets certain attention in Scripture, and appropriately so because of the the victimization and because of the wounds uh-huh. it, it leaves in people. Yeah. Um, I mean, Scripture talks about you know you're sinning against yourself, yeah. your own body in this way. I mean, there's yeah. there's a there's an important thing to note there. However, the universality of sin that ultimately sin all comes down to this rebellion against God and yeah. His standard. That condition of the heart is no different depending on what sin tends to manifest in your life or what your temptation is. And so telling people that either any sort of behavior that is sinful is okay because they were born that way. It doesn't matter if you were born with a proclivity toward alcoholism or if you were born with a proclivity toward drug addiction or none of those things are allowed in scripture. At the same time, all of us have that same sinful nature. Yeah. All of us have that same issue that's at play in our own hearts. You just can't always see them. And we've got to do away with this idea that we have acceptable sins and we have unacceptable sins. Yes. You know, that there's like, my sin isn't a big deal, well, that person's sin is a big deal. Um, and, and sometimes I think what passes for um, a biblical design when it comes to these sort of things actually infringes a bit on this just squeamish factor. Like yeah. we're just not comfortable with it. And we shouldn't be comfortable with any type of sin. But are we uncomfortable with some of the other sins that are listed here? Or are we all too comfortable with some of the other the sins listed? All right. Well, 
thanks for sitting down with me. We probably went a little long today, but I just wanted more and more and more. It felt good. It's, it's important <laughs> subjects. I think this stuff is it real, is. relevant to us today, both last week's and hopefully this coming Sunday's as well. Uh, this is where we live. And that's the point to gather, right? We gather as believers to encourage and help each other. So, all right, Pastor Brad, we'll see you next week. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you guys on Sunday, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recaps.